0: One of the all time favorite shows. Because you were home. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Because You're Home. I have just realized whilst looking up the number of this episode that I did not put on the last, well, the title of the last episode, that it was uh, episode 98. So. Hey-ho, this is episode 99, so we're getting real close to the 100th episode. Um, In this episode, I decided to review the film Barbarian. I know Barbarian came out last Halloween, but I was slow to the uptake. Um, I'm kind of also the type of person where I don't know why, but the more someone tells me I should see a film... It just makes me want to hold off for a bit and not so I can get it spoiled, which thank God I did not get this film spoiled. And huge warning to discuss this film, to me, I think in its entirety and the aspects of it, this there's huge spoilers. There's there's no way of going about it. Um if you haven't watched this film, please go. It's on Disney Plus of all random things because Disney owns everything. Um it's on Disney Plus. Go watch it, come back, have a listen to this. You know, see if you can if they can open up your your thoughts on it. Uh, you may agree or disagree. Um, but yes, yeah, so I did not watch this film when it came out. Um, I suppose I didn't even think of going to the cinema. Um, I normally would have went with Grace maybe to things like this, but she was nearing the time of her her you know near the end of her pregnancy, and you know it probably would have been a good thing that we didn't watch this in the cinema because I tell you I was scared throughout it. So I don't know how a pregnant woman would have <laughs> handled it. But, um, yeah, so I decided to watch it just maybe, like, a week or so ago, and then I was just, like, putting all my piece, bits and pieces together for this. So, away we go. So, Zach Crager's film Barbarian took the horror genre by storm in late 2022 with a box office opening of $10 million in just over 2,000 theaters and with rave review after rave review. So, Crager, who was formerly of the whitest kids you know – group brings to life a horror movie with the basic concept that follows your standard horror tropes while also packing it to the brim with such su- subtle social undertones and commentary. The up-and-coming filmmaker, who was inspired to pen the script after he read a book that encourages women to listen to their instincts, which definitely is something that they highlight throughout this film, not only hopes people will discuss the drama's themes but also embrace all of its visual and emotional genre elements. Barbarian brings to light deeper issues in gender and socioeconomic disparity, as well as urban decay. While you're watching this movie, the surface level feels like any old horror film. It's about a woman traveling to Detroit for a job interview to find her Airbnb has been double booked. And there's already a man inside, which sounds like the opening of many a horror movie we've seen before. And kind of even when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's one of those films. I have to say just one of the things was. When I watched it, I kept thinking a certain thing would go the way I thought it would. And it, it twist and turn, the goddamn rollercoaster movie, and it was brilliant. Again, if you're still listening and haven't watched it, for the love of God, go watch it. So that seems simple enough, right? But digging a little deeper into the guts of this film, it isn't just scary because of the monsters lurking below or the jump scares, which I have to say aren't that frequent. And I love a film that doesn't rely on jump scares. If you listen to any of our older episodes... I, you can see my, my, uh, I despise jump scares. Uh, well, if they're done well and if they're scattered, like like I'd say two to three jump scares at most done well, mwah, chef's kiss, you know, they're, you don't rely on them, people. Do character development, do story, don't do jump scares. I'm talking to you, Conjuring Universe. There's a genuine feeling of uneasiness because that simple premise unfolds down a rabbit hole, revealing issues beyond a creepy guy being creepy. At first glance, the movie's look is impressive. The camera work is excellent for the big screen and future immersive home movie, uh, home video releases. The aspect ratio and style switch throughout the film at different moments, and you'll see it kind of in different storylines and in different decades, it's done really well to kind of show, like it, it jumps back to the 80s and it goes to a 4.3 uh, aspect ratio, which I'm like, oh yeah, because there wouldn't have been the scale you have now for TV. So just those little things, just to show the, the time change, oh, I thought it was brilliant. Anyway, for example, conversations have a different style than a heart racing scene. These include Stanley Kubrick-esque movements of the camera, claustrophobic and uncomfortable close-ups, mainly when it focuses on a character through a tight space. All in all, cinematographer Zach Kuperstein deserves praise. It's kind of like when they're in the upstairs area in the Airbnb and, and outside, it's all wide shots crisply moved. But then the minute that you're in the underground area, it's all shaky, not quite shaky count, because geez, I get motion sickness, I'd be sick and I'd be complaining about it. But it's very much so like, oh, it's it's the tension. It's you scared. It's almost like as if the cameraman is in there with you and they're moving it, or it's like strapped under it. Like I have to say, it's very jerky, not completely jerky, but it has that more it's not as crisp, basically. The movie starts off in Brightmoor neighbourhood in Detroit, which has been entirely dilapidated over time and ultimately viewed as broken beyond repair. And now we have Tess, played by Georgina Campbell, and she's attempting to check into her Airbnb for the weekend. Much to her dismay, the house she she booked is currently occupied by Keith, played by Bill Skarsgård, who insists she stays in the rental with him while they figure out what happened. After a series of of awkward exchanges, unsettling camera views, and your typical slasher tropes like it starts out on a dark rainy night, doors are opening in the middle of the night and slamming all of their own, and then we have like the secret doors and passageways. So that leads you to believe that you're going to expect a kind of a typical run of the mill slasher film where the man is going to watch the unsuspecting lead character sleep and then try to kill her when she least expects it. Instead, we find Underground layers, (laughs) a naked mother of the a woman of incest. I'll I'll go into that later on. It's woof. A decrepit old man with a sinister stash of VHS tapes. Cops that can't be bothered to patrol a dying area, and the movie star propriate. Sorry, the movie star property owner played um called AJ played by Justin Long, and he will do about anything uh, to preserve his image. When all of these are unveiled unveiled, um it becomes obvious that the classic horror formula is getting tossed out the window and again it the film does i think three hard cuts from a scene and it's a tonal change and everything and it's boom 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 but they all do tie in together like at the crux of what happens with tess it does a boom um complete change and that's the czar introduction with aj then there's another one where there's the aspect ratio changes and all the houses in the area become more colorful and we've gone back in time to the 80s when just as the, the, has the suburb kind of area is in a decline. So there's the three changes, but just they all come back to make sense. So on the surface, Barbarian is absolutely bonkers. And I feel like they go with it. They roll with it. It's these new kind of, you have the likes of X and Pearl and, um gosh, well, a few other modern horrors now where they're like, they're embracing the insanity and the craziness of the films but without it being schlocky. Um, So from the beginning, even with the trailer, the movie makes it seem as though Keith is the one who's about to prey on Tess in some capacity. As we move through the movie, a secret room in the basement is found with a single dingy bed and an old school video camera. This is weird, right? But not as weird as the rocky staircase descending even further underground beyond that. On top of that, enter a naked woman who smashes Keith's head into the wall to kill him and then holds Tess captive. That woman is the product of an incestuous relationship with the man who had been abducting women since the 1980s and forcing them to have his children and interbreeding and grass And Like he keeps them in cages, has the women. It's it's very good. It's um. This is the one where it goes back to the 80s. I'm, I'm go- going ahead of myself a little bit. But he has that, he was was doing shopping for baby stuff, so he must already have someone who's about to give birth. But then he, after doing the grocery shopping, he spots another woman. He follows her home. It's all very sinister. He then dons like work overalls, knocks on her door. It's like, oh, I'm here from the, the water company. We just need to test to see how your water pressure is. And of course, she just lets him right in. Because now, nowadays, I mean, I'd like to think I'd say, oh, I, you know, need to see identification. However, I gave money to two girls from a local secondary school um, as a part of, like, they were doing some sort of dancing for charity. I barely saw the paper. I gave them money. And then Christian Ryan said, do they even live in the estate? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I only gave them a small bit of money. But, you know, the more I think about it, I'm like, holy God, I think I just scammed them because, you know, you don't want to be awkward and you don't want to, cause a fuss and say no and so maybe that that's why people especially women if you're by the yourself in the house you might let someone in if you think oh they look like they're a working person for like a water company I'm gonna let them in even though they just look like blue overalls with just a name like Carlos on it it could have been something from a mechanics but you know you just you don't want to cause a fuss and this is a thing that goes through it of how women would act through it and you can kind of tell in the 80s it was still you know latchkey kids the doors were unlocked a little bit more open and so she just lets him in he does his thing but as he's checking the water pressure in the bathroom he just unlatches the bathroom window which of course is his going to be way to enter back into the house to steal the woman so it's it's again it's just my gosh I'm trying to think of what point I was making with that. Um, oh, yeah, the incest. So, yeah, like that's just, again, how she happens to exist, the woman in the underground lair. But I just, yeah, I have to say, like, as a woman, I know I completely veered off and I'm saying. geez, I almost lost myself there for a second. But as a woman watching this film, I have to say, I found it to be very impactful. And I don't know whether I'm just reading too far into it or... Um, and it's my own takeaway. Everybody has their own takeaway from films. But yeah, I felt that this really kind of, not spoke to me, but I, I could see why Tess would do X, Y, and Z. And I really kind of felt this along with her. So I have to say, again, it was just played really well. The characters were all done really well. Um, So we have the woman, who is the product of an incestuous relationship with the man who's been abducting women since the 80s and forcing them to have his children. So you, you're absolutely shocked in asking yourself, after this woman kills Keith, you know, what just happened? Like, cause it's so quick, it's so quick. And then again, as I said, it just cuts completely then to just we the introduction of a j in California. And you you gotta wonder, like, how is this connected? Um, well, he evidently owns the house that the Airbnb is a part of, and he's fleeing to the house to avoid a lawsuit of a sexual harassment lawsuit. And then he gets captured. By the underground woman or the woman in the walls and we continue just to kind of spiral deeper and deeper into madness with every turn so kind of compared to other elevated horror films barbarian takes a slightly different approach from its inception and marketing of the trailer we get the feeling that it's some sort of slasher or serial killer film now i have to say i i think i watched the trailer once i'm trying it's the new thing where i'm trying to do where if i do want to watch the film I, i'm really trying to like avoid any videos on it and even avoid the trailer if I can because I do find now trailers give it's been said time and time again in the last like 10 years but trailers are probably even longer than that they give way too much away way too much away but I like how the poster didn't give anything away because it was just like it was almost giallo style apart from the color change obviously but it was red and just her looking down the staircase um which I have to say obviously looking back on it, if you know you know but when you see that you're just like well It doesn't tell you anything, which is brilliant. So the typical elevated horror film we rely on, heavy dramatics, lots of close-ups of the actors and actresses, and a heavier reliance on the undertones of the film instead of making it an all-out blood fest like other horror films might do. One of the most credited films for creating the elevated horror genre is The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers. Um, Elevated horror films feel more sophisticated. Their thematic elements are more deliberate and there's more time spent on setting the scene and invoking a feeling without the use of blood or even sometimes words. Barbarian has these thematic undertones but still successfully interwines gore, obvious kills and jump scares. Instead of making it obvious from the start that there are some psychological elements, Barbarian keeps you guessing the whole time. Beyond the twists and turns of Barbarian, what makes this movie so great is that it does Follow the simple horror premise, but also manages to colour outside the lines with deeper issues to give perspective our society has evolved, while also remaining the same over time. One of the biggest pieces of social commentary in this film is about gender disparity and misogyny. From the beginning of the film, the uneasiness is palpable for the situations that Tess is in. The movie plays up on the typical clichés like, she is a woman avoiding her ex, which they never go back into, and kind of, again, From a woman, maybe because I watched this this woman, I expected the ex to like have followed her. And If there wasn't going to be an issue with Keith, then the ex was going to come in and maybe like hold him hostage and, you know, come back to me. But again, it was just, this probably is what led Tess into not trusting Keith. She was already possibly after a breakup, didn't want to have to deal with him. She was going from wherever she was coming from. She's going all the way to Detroit to do a documentary. Like she was almost like fleeing something. And she didn't care that, or maybe she didn't check that the area in Detroit she was staying in was a really rundown area. And um, I probably am going to be saying this later on. But after she has her interview and she then says to the woman, oh, "Where are you staying?" She names the neighborhood, and the woman is like, "My God, don't stay there, leave." And she's like, "Oh, I know, and it's a little bit rundown." Because she gets a proper look at it the next day and sees, "Oh, this is a shithole." But Tess's like, "No, I can, I can, I'm strong. I can look after myself." So. Like that, it's, you're kind of thinking, oh, God, is she naive? Um, so again, we have like the cliches, woman avoiding her ex. She's not trusting the stranger in the beginning of the film. And again, this was another thing where I thought, not knowing anything about the film, that Keith was going to be, you know, he was going to take her and terrorise her and, and torture her and whatever. Um, and, and it's quite the opposite. So after agreeing to enter the rental with Keith, Tess feels the need to watch her every move. Every room she enters, she closes the door and locks it. She refuses to drink anything that she hasn't seen Keith open or pour in front of her and goes above and beyond to confirm that what Keith is saying to her is the truth. She questions everything. She doesn't trust that he has the same things in common with her and and knows about this underground jazz scene that she's doing the documentary about. So the disparity lies in the fact that if the roles were reversed, it is unlikely that a man would have to be concerned about his own well-being or to be worried that he would be taken advantage of or harmed. There is even something that is joked about in the dialogue between Tess and Keith. And he acknowledges that men wouldn't have to be as hypervigilant as Tess has to be to protect herself. Later in the film, flashbacks to the 1980s reveal the original owner of the home was using the disguise of the handyman, as I said, to kidnap and abduct women. The parallel between the victims in the 1980s and Tess shows that although women's rights have progressed in the past few decades, Women everywhere are still faced with the same problem of constantly having to look over their shoulders and stay protected at all costs in the presence of strangers. And kind of there's another thing that they go into, which is like the the crux of this film, is the element of trust. You know, who can you trust? From the beginning, Tess is guarded around Keith, but yet halfway through the film, she has like, she trusts AJ from the get go because they're in the same situation. They're both held captive. And when we as the audience know that AJ is not to be trusted, like the only reason why he's there is because he has a lawsuit and possible criminal charges being put against him. And he wanted to sell the house in order to pay money for his legal fees. And when he saw the the underground area, he was like, ooh, this is more land to my house that I can sell. Like he's delighted. Like he's, they actually truly go into his character like fairly quickly. About how much of an asshole he is, and that the the rape allegation is pretty much true, uh, because he's like, oh yeah, oh at first she didn't want it, but then you know, I I don't stop getting you know going at something until I get what I want, you know me and oh Jesus Christ, yeah. Anyway, so, like and and all AJ does is just look out for himself, which you get to see by the end of the film. Uh, Tess should also have trusted Keith from the start but again this is where I thought because of the she was getting calls from what I imagined was her ex-boyfriend she is finding red flags everywhere from the cup of tea that he made for her but she didn't get to see him make and then we find that like Keith is almost tripping over himself in order to not make himself look like a creepy or a bad guy and there's kind of like there's an irony in that and it is as I said it's the crux of the movie that the monster is not just the crazy naked lady underground And like, there's another thing where Tess also didn't trust the homeless man who after her interview kind of chases her into the house. Whereas really, again, we see he was chasing her to say, please don't stay there. There's a crazy lady in the basement. But of course, he didn't go about it. He was rough the way he was speaking. Like, so it is again, it's she didn't trust the homeless man. And he's all because of her preconceived notions. So I have to say, like that element, again, was done very well. Another theme outside the standard horror genre takes place a little later in the film when Tess escapes the underground lair and attempts to get help for AJ, who's still stuck in the basement. Again, she doesn't know how bad AJ is and she wants to go back and help him. And you really kind of think, of course, us as the audience, knowing what we know, it might be some sort of a justice if he becomes the doll for a crazy naked woman in a subterranean area who just wants her own baby or her baba. Ugh. Maybe not the best ending for him, but still, you're like, you know, there are twisted, cruel ways that horror movies do like to end on characters, and that could have been one of them. So Tess climbs out from the grime and dirt of the lair and hovels onto the street, and she gets rescued. This is where she, just at the nick of time, gets rescued by the homeless man who is basically trying to stop her from going into the house. And then there's just this little eerie picture of the woman was ready to grab Tess by the ankles. And so she just pokes a little bit out from underneath the, the window in the basement and then just, just like slimily almost just like creeps back into the darkness because the homeless man later on tells her um, after he's rescued her that they every homeless person or anyone still living near that area knows that the crazy naked woman in the walls would come out at nighttime. So that's how they know of her. Maybe for food, because how else would you live in a lair for however long? I don't know, from the 80s, she's probably in the 30s or 40s. I don't know how old she is. So you're just kind of wondering, how does she get this far? And also we find out that the crazy rapist incest man from the 80s is also there too. So some people, when they were reviewing the film, they're like, oh, that's a major plot hole. Oh, like, they live there and like, look for a horror movie for the movie it works fine you know they could be shitting in buckets for all i care but you know maybe at nighttime she's you know getting food or whatnot like it it doesn't matter that's not the main issue and it shouldn't be something that people should be picking at because i know people will i do it i pick at things that are silly and stupid but you know leave this alone so yeah tess escapes and she hobbles down the road as fast as she can. She runs into a service station where she calls the cops. But when they show up, it doesn't exactly go as planned. So she's also being kept hostage there for potentially two weeks. And so she's looking like shite. Her clothes are dirty. She's dirty. Um, and as, as I mentioned before, the Brightmoor neighbourhood is falling apart and is perceived as riddled with drugs and viewed as being entirely dejected. As Tess is explaining what happened and how there's still someone there who needs saving, The audience starts to get the feeling that the cops assume she's homeless or on drugs when they take a look at her appearance and the fact that, you know, this is in a rundown neighborhood in Detroit. However, they reluctantly agree to follow her to the rental to see what's going on, but cannot be convinced to actually investigate because of their skepticism. The social commentary here is that urban decay and socioeconomic disparity continue to worsen because it is presumed that the area or the people residing in those areas are hopeless and beyond repair. Instead of addressing those issues, they get swept under the rug and ignored. The resources that could have been used to turn rundown cities around are being used in other areas to keep them thriving, vibrant, and in order. This is something anyone can see in big cities across America. And these less than ideal neighbourhoods are viewed as a stain on the map of an otherwise perfect city. So you, you very much so get the vibe. If, if you can see it, you can see it, that the film is trying to make a statement. But at the same time, instead of being in your face about it, it still manages to be exciting and entertaining. And it doesn't get preachy. Because some films, like Mother, if you think about it, it's so in your face about how bad people are to... When you realise that it's like that it's Mother Earth and the house is the world and how everybody's fucking up. You're like, my God, by the third scene, I could fucking get it. We're terrible. So, yeah, just this film isn't so, yeah, yeah, get it? Not quite, I felt. So, when watching her, we as the audience would know what to expect. There's a formula, a simple formula. And that formula is repeated over and over again in classics like Halloween, Scream, and Friday the 13th, etc. Every once in a while, a film comes along that follows those rules, but chooses to break out of the mold and give the audience something to think about and relate to. Barbarian kicks down the doors and demands to be enjoyed by horror lovers everywhere. This film is witty, scary and unique, but it also allows the audience to dive a little deeper than the monsters that are under their beds. The obvious formula, coupled with the moments of subtle social undertones, make for one crazy ride from start to finish. Barbarian is a horror movie for those who are more scared of how the world is progressing than they are of the boogeyman. So, Cracker still manages to add humour to it without messing up the tone. The film can also be enjoyed even when not focusing on the message, as it keeps the audience entertained and doesn't get too serious for what it's trying to say. For a horror film, that in itself is a surprise. So, Cracker masterfully builds tension in this film from the moment Tess discovers that the rope in the basement that leads to a hidden room and then that there's another door that leads further down into another further underground area. There are some fantastic characters in this film, which would be characters of opposite moralistic standards. On the one hand, we have Tess, who's super smart about what steps she needs to take for her own safety as a woman. She smartly takes one look at the dark corridor in the basement and just nopes out of it. Very much so. just made me think of the film nope in itself, and I'm like, oh, yeah. We should all do more noping out of situations when they are dangerous. She only enters the corridor when she finds a mirror that kind of reflects light into the corridor so she's not entering blindly. She also knows what to do to keep the subterranean woman happy. Uh, like to, She says to AJ, goes, can't you see? She just wants you to be her child. So maybe after a few mistakes or whatever, you can tell that she has it down to a T. She drinks the horrible milk. Um, and she knows not to be afraid or visibly disgusted when the woman tries to comfort her as her baby. So she, you know, like that she is good at adapting. Even when she manages to escape, she knows in her gut that she has to come back for AJ, not knowing how much of a dickbag he is. But she'll know that soon enough. AJ, now as the, the yang to her ying, he is a piece of work. As mentioned earlier, he's fleeing to his rental home to escape a sexual assault allegation, which later turns out to be true, um, and not made up as he kept stating to everybody. It's actually um, when he's speaking to a friend about, you know, what happened with the situation. He's back, he's catching up with a friend, and the friend is asking, you know, what happened? That's actually Krager, the director. So, you know, he just got his little moment. So when he sees the basement area, he's not only not freaked out by it, but actually happy to see that there's more space in the house for selling. He goes on his merry way measuring the area. And then when he sees even the fact that there's a door for the subterranean level, instead of like you have Tess when she was shining a light down from her phone, looking for Keith because she could hear his screams for help, she was very much so not one to go down. But again, she's a good person. So she ran after Keith. And then AJ is just like, ooh, more area for land. Like he saw the, the area with the the camera and he's just like, Psh, whatever, this is gross. Maybe he just thinks it's like for some kinky films. He doesn't think, I don't know, as a woman, maybe you're just like, or, or anyone with a bit of common sense, like this is dangerous. This is something bad happened here. But he's just like, no, instead of it raising red flags for him, it just instead raises green dollar bills in front of his eyes. When Tess comes to the rescue, he accidentally shoots her. He gets the gun off the decrepit old man, uh, who shot himself obviously when he knew the jig was up, so he's just a dirty coward. And but then he shoots her, he freaks out, he brings her to an area of safety, which is the homeless man had told Tess when she's like, I have to go back for the man. He was like, Right, well, I'll be around here if you want to be safe because they have they can't be outside at night time because that's when crazy naked lady is of a want to be outside. So that's not the safe time. So when they're in their area of safety, speaking to the homeless man, there's a kind of short period of time where AJ is contrite. He says he, he wants to right some of his wrongs by helping Tess. Like he's like, am I a bad person or just a good person who did a bad thing? And you can't even start to, to empathize with them oh, a little bit. And I just mean like it's a little snifter of time. But then there's this, obviously, because Crager used to be a comedy, well, he was in comedy, and it's kind of like a bit of Jordan Peele, where there is comedy and horror it can be tied together, but so Crager has this moment of comedy when Tess is asking the homeless man, how have you managed to survive here for so long without the woman finding you? And the homeless guy just says, shit, I've been here for 15 years, and she ain't never found me. And he can't even finish his sentence without the woman. Literally, like, what, the Kool-Aid uh, guy just coming through, and she's like she just has this terrible ear piercing scream ear piercing scream and then she literally tears the man apart but so the jig is up and so they're running up to the top of like a water uh, tower and Tess is obviously shot she can't really catch up but AJ's at that point when the danger element comes back again he doesn't really want to help he wants to save his own skin so he's like almost running away further and he gets up to, up to the top then Tess is like slowly behind, but they see, oh yeah, she's like, shoot your gun. And of course, he white guy flip flubs and the phone just not phone. She's not phone. And the gun just falls. Falls. So they're at the top. AJ's freaking out that there's nowhere for them to escape. And then the woman comes up, and instead of trying to do anything valiant or hero-like, he just turns around to the old woman and says, You want your baby? Here, come get your baby, and pushes Tess off the top of the water tower. And as she is, like, from her point of view of she's falling, you see, from her viewpoint, and you just see that the naked old lady jumps after her to rescue her. And the ending of the film is brilliant in the sense that, again, I was not sure which way it was going to go. The old, well, she's not old. She couldn't be that old. I just keep saying old. It's the way they have her looking, scraggly hair, hideous face makeup or whatever. Yet she seems to have, like, superhuman strength and like never ending life the proper almost slasher killer way where you, they just won't die uh, but again like I, I was thinking of this like how, how is this possible again it's just it's hard movie logic once you like forget about that as questions just go with it it's fine considering that she was like a child of incest and living underground I expected her to have like rickets or be bowlegged from like never seeing the light of the sun but anyway anyway again don't bother with that. Harmony movie logic. The film ends with Tess shooting the woman in the head because she refuses to go back to the house of her. Now, just before that, <laughs> basically as Tess was falling and the woman was jumping after her, the woman uses her body to shield Tess from the worst of the impact. So Tess is actually alive. She wakes up. AJ comes down and he's like, just wanting to suss out the situation. And... When she comes through, she's like, oh, my God. Oh, you're alive. Oh, you slipped. Like, immediately, he's he's backtracking, and she's like, what? Maybe he thinks that she'll have some sort of amnesia from the fall and won't realise that he pushed her. But again, he's in, I'm going to save myself. I'm going to protect myself. I can still be the good guy. I can still save you. And then again, as I was saying, this is the never-ending strength of this woman, that she goes to rescue Tess again from him, or just the anger, the fact that he pushed her baby over the top of the water tower. And so she just like, rips his head in half. Again, superhuman strength. But AJ's gun, when it had fallen, again, harmony, the logic's perfect. It's within grasp. So the woman is trying to bring Tess back and she has the gun and she's trying to, she's like, I can't go back. I can't go back. And then shoots her in the head and then boom, you know, credits, in between the credits, like little cutscenes, we just see uh, Tess walking like limping her way out of there but there was a part of me that was wondering if it was kind of going to end like a very bleak ending where there'd be like no more bullets left in the gun and then we just see Tess being carried back by the woman in Tess like to never be seen again kind of akin to the ending the alternative ending for Jordan Peele's Get Out so this film kept me on my toes by changing and reinventing itself just when you think you have a handle on the story it takes a hard turn and reveals another side i may have watched this film in 2023 but this film and x would be part of my top five films for 2022 these two films seem to embrace the absurdity of their films without being schlocky kind of like the ending of the conjuring 2 if you've listened this far and haven't watched barbarian thinking that you will give this film a big miss i beg you to go and watch it now on the perfectly child-friendly Disney Channel. Don't let this elevated horror film, hidden under a thick layer of insanity, pass you by. So there we have it. I really liked it. I don't know if I'd go on so far to say, like, I love it. Oh, well, you know, yeah. It had its, its, its issues, but I mean, it was still very much so an overall brilliant horror film. And I would recommend... If anyone wants to go watch it, go watch it. I know I just said that at the start, that when people tell me to go watch something, I go the opposite way. But don't listen to me in that sense. But listen to me when I say, do go watch it. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook on Because You're Home with an underscore between each word. And you can listen to us on most podcast platforms. And if you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please feel free to give us a rate and review. And if you don't fancy doing anything like that, but you still like us, just go tell a friend. And I'll chat to you again soon. Bye-bye.